Welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on politics in North Orange County, California, with me, Jody Balma, Professor of Political Science at Fullerton College. Since it's an election year, we're going to invite people who've run for local offices to share their experiences and give advice for candidates and people who might be thinking about running for office in the future. So today's guest is Grant Henninger, a good friend of mine and a Fullerton College alumnus who transferred to Cal State Fullerton to earn a degree in political science and has been active in local politics since his college days. He helped pass Measure X, the North Orange County Community College bond that built many of the new buildings in our district. He was the chair of the Anaheim Community Services Board, served on the Anaheim City Planning Commission, and in 2018, ran for Anaheim City Council. Welcome, Grant. Thanks for having me. So let's start with why you're involved in local government as opposed to state or federal. So... My story is a little bit funny. I uh, wasn't planning on being involved in local government. Um, Like you mentioned, I have a degree in political science. And um, while I was at Fullerton College, 9-11 happened. And um, you had already uh, kind of put me on the the political science uh, bandwagon. So I was already there. And then, you know, once 9-11 happened, I got very interested in, um, you know, national... uh, uh, security and things like that. And so after college, I actually wanted to go to Washington, D.C. and get a Ph.D. in international relations and sure. a, uh, a master's degree in defense studies um, and then go work for, you know, the Pentagon or the Rain Corporation or, uh, yeah. you know, something like that. Um, but my girlfriend at the time is also from Anaheim here and she didn't want to leave. And um, so I didn't leave Um, (laughs) and I decided to get involved here locally. And um, so that's kind of how I got involved in local politics. So it wasn't because I thought, Hey, local politics really matters. um, And it's great. Um, It's, because, you know, I, yeah, I think, I, I think our field, I think our nation, I think our media is all so focused on national and international. Um, I, I think most classes don't focus on local. Sure. And, um, you know, having been involved uh, in local politics now um, and just having kind of lived my life a little bit more. Um, I understand the importance of local politics in a way that I didn't when I graduated college. Um, and you know, you, you've really seen it throughout 2020, uh, you know, highlighted much more than at any other time, um, in my memory, uh, really the importance of local politics, you know, especially with the Black Lives Matter protests, we've seen, you know, it's it's local governments that control the police um, budgets and they control the um, police policies. And, you know, yes, the federal government can do some stuff to impact those types of policies that people are protesting against, but really it's local government. And with what I would say is a real failure of federal leadership this year with the coronavirus pandemic that's fallen on, um, on local governments as well. Right. Right. We're definitely seeing that. And uh, Orange County board of supervisors, um, you know, that I didn't even know existed until the bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So sometimes it takes bad press to get people to pay attention uh, to the importance of local government. Right. So obviously running for office is a huge decision and a big time commitment. So take us back. What were the factors that led you to run for city council in Anaheim? Well, it was something, you know, really I decided to do almost as soon as I graduated college. Um, You know, as soon as I decided I wasn't going to Washington, D.C., I decided I was going to get involved locally. And, you know, it was 10 years between 14 years um, between graduation and uh, when I actually ran. And um, so the decision was made really before I knew what was involved in it. And mm-hmm. I could have always changed that decision. But normally once I decide something, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it is a huge time commitment. I really took all of 2018 off and didn't do much work um, so I could run. And, uh, you know, I knocked on 8,000 doors. And, oh, wow. Um, you know, I was making phone calls to, um, you know, solicit donations to my campaign and, um, you know, all those sorts of things that candidates have to do. And it is hugely, hugely uh, time consuming. And what are the steps that you took in those 14 years that really helped prepare you? Oh, you mentioned some of it. Because I think a lot of people think like you wake up in the morning and you decide to run for city council. Sure. And uh, there's a lot of people who do that. Um, There's also a lot of city council members who are not um, well qualified on day one to Mm -hmm. start making good decisions for the city. Um, I didn't want to be one of those people. Um, I wanted to really understand how the city works and uh, be able to make good decisions the you know first time I'm sitting in a council meeting behind the dais. And so, you know, you mentioned some of the things I did um, in the intro. Uh, I got appointed to the Anaheim Community Services Board. I was on that board for seven years. And the Anaheim Community Services Board makes recommendations on which uh, nonprofits get funding from the city that work in the city. So people like the Boys and Girls Club, the Y, um, uh, Community Senior Serve, which does a Meals on Wheels type program. Um, and you know, there's a whole bunch that get money from the city. And most of that money is coming through the Federal Community Development Block Grant Program. Uh, but we were making those types of recommendations. And um, you know, it gave me a good introduction on um, how to work in a committee setting. There's nowhere else really in life where you have a group of five or seven or in the community services board case, 13 people making decisions um, and you know, having to negotiate and use Robert's rules of order. Um, and uh, it's, that is a skill itself that needs to be developed before people sit down and um, are trying to be council people. Because one of the things I've learned just watching council meetings is that the people who are effective are the people who know how to use the procedures well. They know right. how to and, use- and so for somebody who, who doesn't know what Robert's Rules of Procedure is, 
can you explain that a little bit and, and why it's important to understand those procedures? Yeah, so um, I think most people know what Robert's Rules of Order are, even if they've never uh, heard the term before. So it's uh, Robert's uh, Rules of Order was a book written back in the 18-something. Um, I think it was by a Civil War uh, general. And um, I think they're on the 11th edition of it now. I have a copy of the 9th edition somewhere <laughs> on the bookshelf behind me. But um, it's, you know, anytime you hear like people making motions in seconds and points of order um, and all those types of procedural things, those are all laid out in Robert's rules of order. And most um, uh, legislative bodies use it to some degree or another. Yeah. And so how do you get appointed to that? So somebody who wants to get involved, who doesn't necessarily even want to run for office, but just wants to, to volunteer to, be involved, to make decisions? How do you get appointed to a, a commission like that or a board like that? Um, the formal process is just to fill out an application, say you're interested. And then um, when there is an opening um, in Anaheim, people are reappointed um, in June. So, um, you know, and, it depends on the border commission. There's normally a two or a four year term. Um, and when there's an opening, they look at all the people who are interested in that board and the council people are given the, um, the list of people that have expressed interest. And then the council nominates them and votes them onto the board. Um, so that's kind of the formal technical way. Um, really though, you need, to have your name known by the council. Um, if you have a, you know, if they are just given a list of names and they don't recognize your name, they're not going to nominate you. Um, mm -hmm. So the first thing you need to do is to get to know your council people. And I've found that the easiest way to do that is to start going to their campaign events. Uh -huh. um, and so, you know, we're here in a campaign year. It's a little bit of a weird campaign year because they're, right. you know, not really that many in-person events. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, start going to their campaign events and, um, you know, one secret that most politicians won't want you to know is that you don't actually have to donate to their campaign to go to their events. Um, they will try to get you to donate. You know, if sure. you're there, you are interested okay. yeah. and, um, you know, but especially if you're a younger person, um, it's easier to say, Hey, I can't donate, but I would like to volunteer or give right. my time. And um, they will still look at that fondly and just get to start getting to know them. And if they see your name um, mm -hmm. on one of those lists that's interested in a, uh, a board position, they will be more likely to appoint you at least. And, and do you think in a, you know, a, the world of social media and pandemic closure that following people on social media is a way to kind of make that introduction to volunteer? Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm pausing here because I guess I think the answer is probably no. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe if you are commenting and interacting, but I think that for the most part, most people politicians have somebody else doing their social media. Mm -hmm. and um, Which that's may not be something they can offer for those people who don't have social media. Well, that is true. Um, that is something you can offer. 
if you know how to do it well. Um, But a lot of the social media these days um, is really advertisements. And so if, you know, that's where, you know, the, the people who manage social media are really, their main focus is on the ad buys and as kind of an ancillary thing, they actually do the social media as well. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so to offer to do that is a little bit more um, difficult than just, you know, making posts on Facebook and Twitter and sure. Instagram sure. or TikTok. Um I don't know any politicians that are using TikTok currently. I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe they do. I'm not on it. So who knows? Um, who knows? But uh, you know, right now, honestly, I don't know. Um, I know that um, you know, kind of full disclosure. I'm a I'm a Democrat, so I pay more attention to the Democrats running for office here sure. locally, and so I know at least the Democrats are pushing uh, Zoom fundraisers really hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, normally you can get invited to those pretty easily. You know, there'll be a, a Facebook event and you just, you know, say you're interested and they'll send you the contact yeah. um, details. And, you know, so I think that's one way to do it, especially for smaller candidates. I mean, I was on one Zoom fundraiser that had 15 people on it. Right. So you can get some right. good FaceTime with candidates that way. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean... It, so let's go back to this 8,000 sure. doors that you knocked on. Okay. That's, um, that's gotta be tough. Uh, yeah. I, I, over how many, over how many weeks are we talking about? So I started the weekend after July 4th in okay. 2018. So that's, you know, most of July, August, September, October. So four mm-hmm. months. Um, and then, um, you know, so 2000 doors a month, um, 500 a week or so, which is a hundred a day. Yeah. Um, and that's four hours a day. Wow. I, I do 25 doors an hour, Yeah, um, you know, pretty routinely. And do a lot of people talk to you? Do a lot of people just not answer? So because I was doing it for four hours a day and I have kids and, you know, so I'm not able to do it in the evenings all the time. Sure. I was doing a lot of it in the daytime. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of people just aren't home. Sure. Um, and you start to figure out which neighborhoods are home at what times a day. Okay. Because it's very much a, um, a socioeconomic thing. You, know, you okay. go to the rich neighborhoods and somebody's home during the day. You go to the um, working class neighborhoods and people aren't, you know, people right. are working. Um, and so, you know, I would, I'm in Anaheim Hills. It's, you know, a, fairly wealthy area. There's a lot of very nice houses here. So those are the houses I would go to during the day. And then I would leave um, the more, you know, kind of middle-class working class areas for um, the evenings and afternoons. Mm -hmm. I mean, evenings and weekends. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, but it would be, you know, very routine that I'd be out for six or eight hours in a day and then, you know, take the next day off type thing. Yeah. And Anaheim, like a lot of uh, the North Orange County uh, cities and school boards are district. So you have a smaller area that's kind of around your residential neighborhood. And, and obviously that makes it easier to knock on doors than if you're doing the entire city. 
Um, yes, it does make it easier, you know, but I mean, Anaheim's a very large city. Um, what were the ninth largest city yeah. in the state, I believe. And you know, we have 360,000 right. residents. Um, so even though we're broken up into six districts, there uh, we're still something like, I want to say it was 33,000 voters in my oh, district. Yeah. And that's just voters. You know, we have 56,000 residents. Yeah. So still bigger than Brea. Right. One district. So, yeah. Right. So if, uh, if you were talking to somebody who's thinking about running, what do you wish you'd known? Um, I would, I would say appreciate the support you're getting from places you don't expect it. Okay. And ignore the support you're not getting from places you would have expected it. Okay. So. And that sounds like it's got some good stories behind it. Well, (laughs) I mean, you know, partly that's, you know, just me, I, I focus on the more negative things than the positive ones. Sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's just my personality. So I found that I was, you know, when people that I've been friends with for, you know, many years, you know, weren't donating, you know, that was really getting to me. But then I was getting, you know, checks from people who I had never met and, yeah. you know, support from people who I had only known for a short time and, you know, big support from them, you know, big checks and, um, you know, for some reason that my appreciation and, you know, kind of happiness from getting that support I wasn't expecting did not balance out the, uh, <laughs> the lack of support I, you know, wasn't getting from places that I was, you know, expecting mm-hmm. it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say, you know, no matter what happens, just kind of enjoy the ride. And um, for most of us, you know, we're only going to do it once. Um, and you know, just enjoy it while you're doing it. Um, it was definitely, you know, I've worked on a lot of campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I've knocked on a lot of doors for other people. And I found a huge difference in knocking on doors for somebody else versus knocking on doors for myself. Mm-hmm. People were much more open to me. Um, they because were, you were the candidate. Because I was the candidate. You know, they were much more supportive. Um, even people who didn't agree with me were appreciative that I was going around and talking uh, to, you know, voters that I spent the time to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the times what I heard was nobody's ever knocked on my door before, you know, who's been running for office. Right. And um, when you're a volunteer, you don't get that response. Sure. Sure. So that was, you know, something that was unexpected and very nice. And, um, if, um, you know, if you have the experience volunteering for other people, just know that it's a completely different experience doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. What's, what's the hardest part about campaigning? Losing. (laughs) Well, yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, because, uh, it's, you know, it's there. City council, school boards are nonpartisan races, but it's become very partisan um, in a lot of places. And losing often has little to do with you, a lot to do with your opponents, 
a lot to do with the people who are donating to opponents. Um, so how do you process the losing? So I knew I wasn't going to win at least six weeks before the election. Okay. I mean, that was pretty clear to me. Um, you know, I, I continued fighting through election day as hard as I could because I felt like I had a responsibility to the people who did donate to me mm-hmm. um, to, you know, at least give it my best shot. Um, now, how did you know that you weren't going to win? Um, so Anaheim's unique in many ways, um, not just our size, but, um, in who is active in politics in our community. Okay. Um, we have some very large businesses here, um, and they were spending lots of money. They've been spending lots of money for many years Mm -hmm. to help influence our elections. And, um, they were not spending it on my behalf. Okay. Um, and you know, I was outspent something like 13 to one when you include all of the independent expenditures. Right. Um, and you know, when you're outspent like that, it's, um, yeah, there's just no way to win. Who might not, uh, be up on Anaheim politics. We're talking about a very large mouse in the room, uh, that has independent expenditures. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, it's not just Disney. Um, it is, you know, there is, um, you know, a bunch of hotels, um, obviously. Um, and you know, it's the angels. A lot of the resort area. Yeah. A lot of the resort area. Um, I, I will say that the, uh, ducks organization generally stays out of local Mm -hmm. politics, um, which I find pretty nice and refreshing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would also say that the Ducks also get across the board support from the community when they do want to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's uh, this uh, this summer, there's been a uh, proposal to develop all the area around um, the Honda Center. And, you know, I think that's going to go very well for them. Um, yeah. And there's a similar proposal for the area around Angel Stadium. And I think that's going to be more contentious. And a lot of that has to do with right. uh, how those two different organizations uh, interact in our community and, um, you know, try to buy elections. Right. Um, or at least that's how it is viewed by many sure. in Anaheim. Yeah. I um, think that's, that's absolutely fair in the, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, you know, my view on money and politics is that people who donate are not donating to buy votes. They are donating to support people who would vote for the things they want anyway. Um, right. You know, so the, the candidate or, you know, the, the city council person is not changing their vote because of right. um, the money, but right. they got the money because of how they would. You yeah. Know, and and, and how political science world. research proves that out nationally and state and local that you support the people who would support you and, Right. Spend money against people who would oppose you. Right. Yeah. So, so how long does it take to recover from the loss? Um, I mean, I think that there's uh, two different parts of that question. Um, there's the financial part. Um, like I said, I spent a year basically not working. I, you know, lived off of savings. Um, 
you know, I've not recovered from that, you know, here two years later, mm-hmm. my savings are not what they were. Um, and I did not give my campaign any money. Um, you know, I, I had loaned myself money, but I paid it back through the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the campaign, I was not out any money. Um, but, uh, you know, I did, I lived off of savings. So, you know, if you can campaign and continue doing your day job, uh, that part of the recovery is much easier. Right. Um, but then there's, you know, kind of the emotional part of losing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and um, it took a while, um, you know, at least a few months. And like I said, I knew I was going to, going to lose six weeks before election mm-hmm. day. And, um, you know, so I started that process earlier. Um, and sure. I knew I was a long shot the entire way through. I mean, Anaheim Hills is uh, two to one Republicans to Democrats. You know, there's like 50% Republicans, 25% Democrats, and 25% uh, declined to state mm-hmm. or independents. And, um, you know, so it was a, uh, a tall hill to climb no matter what. And I knew that going in. So um, I guess I never expected to win. And I think that would have been a harder hit to lose if you expected to win. Right, right. Um, But it still took months to um, kind of not be mad about it. I was still going to city council meetings well into 2019. um, And, you know, it was hard watching those meetings. Um, I, I supported somebody running for mayor who didn't win. Um, and I think that the mayor we got has not been great for the city. And I, um, yeah, I think he's mean and vindictive in a way that, um, is just harmful for our community. And to watch that Mm -hmm. is difficult. And I have really had to almost completely step away from Anaheim politics. Like I don't Mm -hmm. really pay attention to what's going on anymore. Um, and I, I think I need to do that kind of for my mental health uh, right. that, sure. um, you know, to be so invested in something and to see it go so poorly. Um, it's really hard to watch and there's nothing I can do right now. Right. Right. And I think that feeling is, is the hardest to process. It is. So, so I, I would you run again? After if I thought that. I could win. And, okay. Um, I think even more or as importantly as winning is to make sure you have a team of people on council with you who are all going in the same direction. Right. You know, through, um, you know, running for office, I've met many great people that have run and lost and also who've won and, uh, and won. And um, there's some that are in the minority um, you mentioned that even though they're nonpartisan races, they're still pretty partisan and, you know, the way they function. Um, and, you know, so I, I have friends that are Democrats on councils that are majority Republican and they get very little done. Right. Um, they can make statements and they can influence things on the margins, but it's um, difficult to make the type of, you know, large impactful changes that, 
um, you might want to make if you don't have the votes there. Right. Um, to help you yeah. out. In public administration, we often say, you know, can you count to three? Right. With a five person council, if you don't have three votes, you don't get things accomplished. And 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 we've watched cities where an only will get elected and never even get a second on those nominations or motions to move things ahead. And when you're talking about Robert's rules of order, you know, sometimes you don't even have a second. Right. Well, so it's, you know, Anaheim's been interesting the past yes. couple of years. Um, we, so we have two Democrats. Uh, well, we've had two Democrats. We now have three because somebody changed their party um, you know, this summer, but um, we've had two Democrats and um, they don't see eye to eye on almost anything. And right. I'm, I'm friendly with both of them. I'm, you know, I still know, you know, most of the camp council and um, you know, I count some of the council among friends and um, you know, so these two Democrats don't see eye to eye on most of anything, but um, one of them made a commitment that they would second um, anything that the other one brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was going fine until the mayor changed the requirements to now require a third mm-hmm. to add things right. to the agenda. Um, when you can't win, change the rules. Yeah. When you can't win, change the rules. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's one of those things, like I mentioned, you know, with the mayor, um, not being the greatest, uh, you know, that's one of those things that right. he's done that I think is, um, really kind of anti-democratic, you know, small D Democrat, democratic, right. not, not yeah. democratic party, <laughs> democratic, but right. you know, that is just, um, you know, let's make sure that, you know, we don't hear from anybody who doesn't agree with us, right. which I don't think is the way our system should work. Right. Should and, uh, should work and does work are often very far apart. Yes. Okay, so those are the questions about your run. I just have some general questions that I ask everybody at the end uh, of the podcast. And the first question is, what's the best advice you've ever gotten that you took or didn't take? I don't know. I I normally don't take advice, um, (laughs) which is probably the best advice I've ever gotten is to take other people's advice. Okay. Um, Yeah, I've... (laughs) This is a conversation I had with my dad when I was probably, I don't know, 15 or something. Oh, you know? sure. Yeah. And sure. Uh, that, um, you know, I do things the hard way and I, you know, don't learn from other people's uh, experience. Yes. Okay. Uh, one book that you recommend or that you like to recommend to other people? What's your go to book recommendation? Probably Ender's Game. Okay. Um, but uh, that's probably a bad recommendation. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm turning around to look at my uh, shelf here. Um, man, I don't know. I didn't mean to trip you up. We can go with Ender's Game. Yeah, I think we will. Um, you know, it it has its problems, but um, for me, uh, you know, especially as a young teenager, it was a very uh, impactful book on my life. Okay. Um, so, you know, but if it's you know, I'm assuming young teenagers are not going to be uh, listening to a podcast on local politics. Um, so that book recommendation might not uh, fit well That's with okay. your audience. That's okay. I, I have a little bit of a captive audience with my students. So right. my next question is for them, which is, um, what's a hopeful message for my students? 
Oh man. We have all this bad this, news. This year is that's a difficult question to ask. I know. That's why I need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I mean, I think this year we've seen really what happens when things get really bad, that people kind of come together and start fighting to make things better. Um, And I think that that's probably, you know, my hopeful message that, you know, if you look at, you know, what's going on, we have a, what I would say is probably a fairly small group of people um, that are acting pretty selfishly. Um, and then a much larger group of people that are trying to be responsible and to um, improve society and make sure we all don't, you know, die from a pandemic. So, um, you know, I think that that's a pretty hopeful message. That's a pretty hopeful message. I'll take it. And finally, uh, who should we hear from next? Who do you recommend for the podcast? Who should I be reaching out and talking to? Um, man, there's a a good long list of people that I would say, you know, are involved here in local politics. Um, you know, both, uh, you know, people who have are in office and people who have run for office, but I would say, um, you know, party chairs are probably a good option. Um, you know, I, I think their perspective is probably very different, uh, than, um, yeah. Other people's. And, you know, I would actually maybe even say uh, former party chairs. So like, um, um, oh, wow, this is going to be embarrassing. Can we just cut this part? Sure. <laughs> we can just cut that part. Aaron will cut that part because, yeah, Fran Sadow. And, yeah, there we go, Fran. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of Scott, whatever his name was on the Republican mm-hmm. side. and yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, there may be more honesty in the former. Right. Oh. So. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I think uh, Janelle Welker would be interesting. Um, okay. Running for San Ana City Council, okay. works for Supervisor Doug Chafee. Oh, interesting. Um, so has perspective from two different areas. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I think you know, uh, Jameson uh, would be interesting. You know, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm sure you've already reached uh, out to him. Westminster and had the recall in Westminster. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, there's. And a um, recall that may have gone a very different way if we hadn't been sheltered in place with a pandemic that was taking up all of the media attention. Right. Right. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you for being my guest and I appreciate it. And uh, welcome. This was fun. Thank you.